This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. From the One JLT building. This is starting up with Virtue Zone. Live at the Etisalat Hello Business Hub on Dubai Eye 103.8. Hello there and a very warm welcome to starting up here on Dubai Eye 103.8 in partnership with Virtue Zone. I'm Georgia Tolley and we are live from the Atisalat Business Hub on the second floor of 1JLT. We're here to tell you how you can be your own boss and I'm joined by Neil Petch, the chairman and co-founder of Virtue Zone. Hi Neil. Very good afternoon, Georgia. Lovely to have you here. Uh, worth mentioning that the Hello Business Hub is your one-stop destination for starting your business. It's conveniently located in 1JLT on on the second floor. It's open every day of the week from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m., except on Friday when it's closed. And at the Hub, you can get your trade license, bank account, insurance, help with finding office space, tax consultancy. You can apply for your Emirates ID. Uh, you can get IT equipment, phone subscription, access to employee benefits programs and financial planning services. Pretty much everything you My can possibly My favorite thing, Georgia, imagine. I wafted in and I had a VIP chat pick my car up and, and wow. here, I, here I was in millie seconds. Oh, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, I missed that. I had uh-huh. to park my own car. Um, but it's worth mentioning the Hub makes it easy and convenient for anyone to start their business and you'll get a highly personalized service from each of the companies present there. The Hub is an educational platform for entrepreneurs and it also hosts a variety of events where guests get educated on topics such as how to start a business and how to raise capital. Yeah, our very own Richard Dean was presenting the last one. He did a very good job. The room was absolutely packed. Brilliant. Always lovely to see Richard Dean out and about in the wider world, rather than locked in the studio, which is where he spends most of his life. So, obviously, tomorrow the world will mark International Women's Day, March the 8th. It's a global event celebrating the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women. So, obviously, today we thought it was appropriate to host a special program focused on female entrepreneurs, or shepreneurs, which is a new phrase that I learned just recently. Uh, we're going to have a debate about whether we'd reach gender quality in today's business environment. Needless to say, I have quite strong opinions about this. We're going to have a debate and I'm going to lose the debate. Is that right? Is that the gentlemanly thing I to think, do? I think that's the most sensible thing to do. I don't yes. know whether you're going to go for... I don't think gentlemanly is necessary. I think you're just going to lose. Uh-huh. That's just how it goes, it goes with it. I mean, ultimately, when it comes down to it, uh, we are discussing uh, gender equality in the business environment. Of course, we want to get you guys involved. Please do uh, send us a text, 4001, or you can always give us a call. Naturally, we do have the Dubai Eye social media app up and running. We've got a social media poll that Zena, our producer, has put up, uh, both on Instagram and Twitter. Just check it out at Dubai Eye 1038FM. That's on both Instagram and Twitter. What do you reckon? That's well, I think if on? everyone at Virtue Zone votes, I'm definitely going to lose because I think we're 62% uh, ladies. Well, I'm very glad you say that because my first question, obviously, was going to be, are you putting your money where your mouth is when it comes to gender equality, sir? And it turns out you are. It turns out and I, I'm able to pontificate and, and all that kind of thing just actually through luck because the best people in our company, Rashid, I'm waving at him over there because he's amazing as well. But we're a service-based company and, and uh, everything Every single person, they're there because they're the right person rather than because of their sex. But it happens that 62% are female. I'm very pleased to hear that. I think, to be honest, in the ARN office, we, we might have greater than gender parity. I, th- I seem to see more women around the office than... But Zina's nodding at me. She spends more time in the office than I do. And there's definitely Paul Sanuj on the news team. Poor man. Henpecked. Literally, Henpecked. We... we <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just sort of outing him Happy here. Happy International There's Women's a... Day coming up March the 8th, ladies. Fantastic. So we've, uh, we've got so many guests uh, coming in to talk to us. Amazing lineup. Uh, so for the Startup Clinic, we have Amira Rashad. She's the CEO and co-founder of BulkWiz. We've also got Sophie Smith, uh, the co-founder and CEO of nab to health I've also been speaking to Helen Maguire. Now, she's the founder of Hopscotch, which is a network for skilled women looking for that perfect work-life balance. Uh, they've done a survey about what kind of skills women need to upgrade their career or use to set up their own business and be their own boss now. And after 2 p.m., she's one of the few female heads of big real estate companies here. Joyster Hegder, president of Sober Realty, our star and superhero for this week. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Linda, who set up Better Homes a couple of days ago. So there are a few more, actually. Yeah. Anyway, together with Jotsna, we'll be going to be reflecting on the role and achievements of the Gender Balance Council. How many women do we have in boardrooms? And how much say do they have? Last but not least, we're speaking to Amin Jamula. She-EO and co-founder of itsherway.com, a social realist and a true lover of the power. I love that, the She-EO. I'd missed that when I was reading it earlier. You totally got it right. So we've had She-preneur and She-EO so far. I'm sending it. She-O. She-EO. It's definitely She-EO. That's perfect. Anyway, nothing better to wrap up the show with one of my favorites, girl boss Donna Benton. She walked into my office about 26 years ago and has rapidly accelerated, leaving me in her slipstream ever since. The founder of The Entertainer, she's our everyday entrepreneur. Her only rule is not to work on Saturdays. I think she's running every Saturday. Anyway, she spoke to us earlier in the week. Amazing. Fantastic lineup there. Really looking forward to speaking to all those amazing women. Well briefed. The business stories you need to know this week. Okay, so our big subject today, uh, which obviously we will be running on the social media and on the text lines, is have we reached gender equality in today's business environment? Very keen to get your angle on that. Please get in touch, send the messages through. Even though we are on an outside broadcast, which is what we call it when we escape from the studio, we can still receive all your messages. So please do get in touch with us. Right, Neil, so do you think we've received, do you think we've reached gender equality in today's business environment? No, I I don't actually. And and I think that uh, we were talking about it a while ago, there was a big thing up in the UK recently where uh, the cabinet, I think the cabinet has a very small number of uh, ladies on it and and they were about to do another shuffle and reduce it still further. Was that right? Um, Should they have a minimum number? And then I was sort of applying this to being a business owner. And, of course, as a, as a business owner, you're, you're, you, know, you probably don't have quite the budget that the UK government do. So you've got to get things right quickly um, and, as such, choose the best person for the job. But if you're doing that, are you sending the right message out and will you recruit the right people? Millennials are looking for company owners who do send the right message through and might prefer a working environment that, where we're looking at that. So I'm kind of trying to sit on the fence there, Georgia. How, how do you feel I'm doing? I think you managed that very sensitively. I'm quite impressed. Um, I mean, needless to say, I definitely don't think that uh, we've reached gender parity. I, I mean, uh, first of all, you've got to get more women in the boardrooms. You've got more women in the workplace. Uh, and uh, then you've got to deal with the question of women's pay. Uh, at the moment, women just, if we're going to do it in dollars, women earn just 79 cents uh, for every dollar that men make. Now that was in 2019. I'm hoping the figure will go up for 2020, but it's fair to say if women are only earning, say, you know, 75% of what men are earning, maybe we should all leave. 
we just go home Listen, at three let's, o'clock let's, in the afternoon. Let's bring this back to entrepreneurs. Instead of getting more money for women, let's get the men looking after the kids that aren't at uh, school at the moment. How about that? Well, they aren't at school at the moment. That's very true. And I have to admit that in, so we've got a nice two weeks holiday now. And then I'm back at work for two weeks and I'm presenting the agenda. And somehow I'm going to be able to present the agenda and teach my two children uh, homeschooling at the same time. And it, it, it was so funny. When I had this argument with my husband, uh, he didn't think it was a big deal. And I was like, no wonder you don't think it's a big deal because guess who's going to be doing the homeschooling? So can, Georgia, can either sex multitask equally? Do you know, I, I actually don't think this idea of men being able to not being able to multitask is true. I think men choose not. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Then. I, was just... <laughs> I think men choose not to be able to multitask. I'm, I'm sure when I go traveling for work, my husband picks up the pieces just fine. It's just when I'm around, he's a little inept. With the help of McDonald's and With so the, on. Well, yeah, McDonald's is always on delivery, which is brilliant. Um, but you've been looking at one of the uh, COVID, well, I mean, obviously... It's wonderful that we're here talking about being your own boss and, and how to develop your own company. But the big overarching topic that all of us are thinking about all the time at the moment and chatting at barbecues or, you know, if you're down at the beach is COVID-19. And, uh, you know, I think one of the big topics that everyone seems to be um, brewing over is whether or not they're going to continue going to work in the normal way, whether mm. they're going to carry on going to the workplace and obviously, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to carry on with work with the children at home. You've been doing a bit of research on this, haven't you? I have. Um, it started uh, my uh, the other co-host, George Hegez. Yes. Uh, I'm coming in. I'm putting in the, uh, the good looks uh, today. But George was presenting last week, and he came in with a huge smile to motivate me, and he said... The great news is is that the the actual mortality rate of people under the age of 50 is incredibly small neil and then his face dropped because <laughs> he realized what did he realize 53 years old his oh, chairman and his pay review was coming right up but listen i think it's uh, um you know the thing is at the moment is to get balance yes. we can't pretend that everything's absolutely fine and we don't need to change our habits it's great that you're seeing these handshakes and it's great that we're laughing at a lady making a speech about uh, being careful about touching your face and then licking her finger and turning the pages, if you saw that. That wasn't that great. So we need to change our habits, but at the same time, panic, panic, panic. Panic and confidence, or lack of confidence, are two of the things that can really kill businesses. And, and so, yeah, The Guardian has an article about the nine things that should motivate us about uh, this, this horrible uh, uh, virus and why we shouldn't uh, worry. It's saying that uh, we know more about it than any else. Three days after uh, uh, the news came out, it, the gene was sequenced already. Just to compare that, it took two years to get the AIDS one uh, uh, sequenced. So we know much more about it. We know it can be contained. We hopefully not in such a draconian way as in China. It's really pretty difficult to catch. You're not going to catch it by just walking past someone in the street. Oh, I didn't know that. No. That's interesting. You actually have to be sneezed on. Yeah, you have. I mean, it, what, what it says here, to be at high risk of catching it, you need to live with or have direct physical contact with someone infected, be coughed or sneezed on by them, or pick up a used tissue. Why you do that, I don't know. Or be in face-to-face -face contact within two meters for more than 15 minutes. So, you know, that, that's... Okay, yeah. that is reassuring. I also quite like the fact that, especially because we're celebrating International Women's Day, that actually men are 65% more likely to... Yes, exactly. So I'm, I'm 
much more likely because I'm a man and much more likely because I'm over the age of 50. I, listen, I started dying 53 years ago. So no, I'm no, you're six, it's 65, men are 65% more likely to catch it than women. That's and and the great thing is that the youth aren't. So, yes. so they're, they're going to come in and run our businesses uh, for us anyway. It's very encouraging because, of course, as adults, you sort of don't worry about getting flu yourself so much, unless you're over 50, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, whereas uh, you do worry about your children because you, you, well, you don't want your children to get flu at all, let alone one that's sort of I, making everyone worry. Listen, this concern. can actually, in, in time, have a good effect. I mean, I, I, when I sit in the back of a car, I don't put a seatbelt on straight away. It's not an automatic response because most of my life I, I was not told that I had to. Yeah. That's changed, right? The, the, the young definitely do and they look at me like I'm an absolute idiot, which I am if I don't put my seatbelt on. Same thing, I think um, washing our hands and so on I think is going to become much more common. I, I have friends who they tell me that as soon as you go on the plane, disinfect the surfaces. It makes absolute sense, yes. right? Not just now because of coronavirus, at, at any stage. Yeah, because they don't have time. Well, I... I have to say this is yeah. anecdotal, but I've heard that the turnaround time is so fast that no, you know they don't have time to cleanse every single surface. I've seen quite a lot of Dettol wipes out and about oh, in yeah. the wider UAE world just over the last few days. I saw one, I saw one father cleaning his son's hands with Dettol wipes, which I, I think is not, actually not recommended. I think they're for surfaces. <laughs> but really interesting that uh, another sort of business story that's coming out of COVID-19 is this suggestion that it could give entrepreneurs a bit of a boost um, because, of course, non essential travel is being banned and office staff are being encouraged to work from home. And so you've got things like video conferencing companies, including one called LifeSize, seeing an absolute surge of interest in its free and paid for products. And you could, this could be the sort of turning point, the watershed moment when flexible working is really embraced by the, by the business world. As a businessman, do you, have you embraced flexible working already or do you mainly ask people to come into the office? Yeah, I mean, again, we're in a good position. We need to be available for our customers whenever they want to talk to us. So we're on 24-7. The reason we're sitting here in, in the Hello Business Hub is, is, you know, Dubai's getting a bigger and bigger place. So we like to have multiple locations where our customers can come and see us. You can come and see us at the Atisalat Hello Business Hub whenever Hello. you want, guys. JLT, it's lovely. Um, so it's very, very important that we reach out. And I do think that out of adversity rises opportunity. And, and so you're absolutely right. You know, we're putting so much CO2 up into the air by flying for meetings that we could have a video conference for. Perhaps now's the, the time when habits are going to change. And so fintech companies, companies that are doing things a little bit differently, could definitely um, take an advantage out of this, yeah. It's really interesting that, 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 that this could be the moment when it all turns. So many uh, apps also getting involved, uh, saying that it's going to be good for entrepreneurs. U.S. firm Blue Jeans claims that they've seen an increase in video conferencing as well. Uh, and big tech firms have been quick to sense this opportunity. Google announced on Tuesday that it would be giving away free access to its advanced video conferencing capabilities uh, until July. And uh, Microsoft is also going down that route. So really interesting, lots of, and lots of new apps being downloaded on business productivity and education, of course. Saw some calls for Skype and so on here as well the other day, so fingers crossed. That would be lovely. That would be lo I think everyone agrees that that would be lovely. Startup Clinic. Hello there and a very warm welcome back to Starting Up here on Dubai I 103.8 in partnership with VirtuZone. We are live from the Atisalat Business Hub and I am Georgia Tolley and I'm joined by Neil Petch, the chairman and co-founder of VirtuZone. Thank you for staying with us, Neil. 
Well, I wasn't going to let you go anyway. Let's be honest, <laughs> you're the co-host. Uh, it is the Startup Clinic. We have a fantastic panel sitting alongside us. We are going to be discussing gender equality in today's business environment, uh, in particular in the STEM environment. That's science, technology, engineering, and maths. But first of all, uh, we are discussing whether or not we have reached gender equality in today's uh, business environment. The UN says no. It certainly does. A UN report published on Thursday says that despite 25 years of work on gender equality, it remains a distant goal. Women still facing poverty, discrimination and violence. Women are also failing to seriously rise in politics and business. And given some of the candidates out there, that's a little bit surprising. <laughs> um, the report finds faltering progress and notes that hard-won advances are being reversed by rampant inequality, climate change, conflict and exclusionary politics. Men hold 75% of all parliamentary seats, 73% of managerial positions, are about to make up 70% of climate negotiators, as well as most peacemaking roles. Um, a UN report has found that 90% of all people have a deeply ingrained bias against women, prompting the UN to remind us of this. And here we go. We may have lived through different decades, different circumstances, different countries, but we all share in the global everyday push for our rights, for justice, for a world that is equal. Perhaps what defines our generation isn't our age or our background, but the line in the sand that we have drawn. We take to the streets to speak out against discrimination and we work tirelessly behind the scenes. We stand up for peace. We are fed up with the war and economic justice. We start with a statement and watch it become a movement. We have come a long way, but the fight isn't over and our rights are still under assault. It is time to take action. Let us be the wake-up call the world needs. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. Be the first, the youngest, the best. And then make sure no one is left behind. When someone tries to silence you, raise up your voice. Let us wage a global struggle. Change everything or change just one thing. As long as you do something, whether you're new to changing the world or have been in the fight for a long time. Each knows exactly why we are here. We are all together, united for gender equality. And the future we create for women and girls is up to all of us. Stirring stuff there from the United Nations. We are discussing gender equality in today's business environment, uh, reminding you to participate in our online, online poll. Uh, it's on Instagram and Twitter at Dimai1038FM. We're asking you whether we, where we are in terms of gender equality in the business environment. Are we far from get it, getting there or are we making progress? Well, listen, it's a female-heavy sofa at the it moment, is. In, a, in a very light way, ladies. <laughs> We're still being joined uh, by today's guests, Amira Rashid, the CEO and co-founder of BulkWiz. Amira used to be head of media, Yahoo, MacTube, and head of brand at Facebook. Meaning that's two pretty good positions, Amira. Sophie Smith, co-founder and CEO of Nabta Health, an entrepreneur and a tech consultant with many things under her belt. Too many to list uh, in such a short show. 
Lovely to have you both joining us here. Thank you so much uh, for coming down. Really lovely to see you. Thank you. Always Thank fantastic you. to have women who work in STEM uh, and in tech, I think, because it's often perceived as a little bit of a male industry. Um, obviously, as we just heard from the UN report, there's a long way to go. But do you feel that the UAE in particular is getting there? Amira, what do you think? I think certainly um, the UAE has been a pioneer in the region, I think even beyond the region in the sense that there have been um, very clear directives from the very top uh, on all levels really, both on a government level when you thought, look at the ministerial light, uh, lineup, but also in terms of directives for industries, in terms of where money is going to um, fund companies and what have you, really it's, it's not a one decision that is made, it is done on so many different levels and that's what you need to do to get that network effect going. Sophie, would you agree? How long have you been working in the UAE now? Um, I have been working in and out of the region since 2011, um, living uh, and working in the UAE since 2016. Um, I agree uh, with Amira um, up to a point. I think most of the women who have businesses here would say that our challenges are similar to challenges that um, other entrepreneurs have around the world in terms of access to capital. Um, the region's first gender lens um, VC fund was closed recently by Mindshift Capital. Um, but I know that Hela Henyan um, struggled to close it, struggled much more than some of her male counterparts. Um, and this is despite the fact that um, statistically, if you look at money invested into female-led businesses, um, women raise or generate more revenue per dollar of investment than men across the board. Um, so I think, uh, I think the UAE is done, doing a stellar job um, of uh, raising the visibility of its um, female-led businesses and, and supporting women entrepreneurs, but as, uh, as, as with the rest of the world, that there is a, a way to go. And obviously, Nab to Health is a, is a site set up for women by women. Uh, and do you feel that the fact that, you were, that that's still necessary in this country is, is an indictment on, on the situation? Or do you think that, that actually this, the fact that you had the space to, to introduce it was, you know, shows how far we've come? Um, so I think uh, we're, we're a hybrid healthcare company for women. Um, we discover new ways to, uh, to diagnose and treat women for non-communicable diseases, the opposite of coronavirus. So a non-communicable disease is something that you cannot transmit from one person to another. So conditions like diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease, cancer. And um, I think we, we selected um, the Middle East, Africa, South Asia as, as the home of NABTA for several reasons. Um, but one was the extent to which this region has been excluded from clinical trials, clinical research, not just from, from a, a female perspective, but if you look at the entire demographic. Um, so women were pretty much wholly excluded from clinical trials until 1994, which means that today women are still 50 to 75% more likely than men to suffer adverse reactions to drugs because drugs have not been designed for or tested on women. It would be the equivalent of you, um, Georgia being given a, a raincoat that let in 50% of the rain where it would keep a male counterpart dry. Um, so in, if you look at healthcare across the board, there's a lot of work to be done um, to support and, and develop gender equality. Um, I think um, the Middle East historically has some of the worst um, statistics in terms of women's health, and a lot of that has to do with a lack of education and awareness more than anything else. For example, 80% of breast cancers here are diagnosed at stage four, which is usually terminal. 40% of women don't attend a single antenatal appointment. I'm not talking specifically about the UAE, but the MENA region more broadly. Um, so wherever there is work to be done, 
um, there's an opportunity. And, and I imagine a lot of here. that is education, right? If, if people know that they should be looking for these things, it's more likely to be caught earlier. Yes, exactly. And I think um, one of the main impetuses for founding NAPTA um, back in 2017, we're turning, we're turning three this month, um, was the lack of um, evidence-based information about women's health available to women in Arabic. So actually, NAPTA is a bilingual platform proudly by um, and for the MENA region. Um, and providing women with um, information about their health in Arabic in a way that is acceptable, to, uh, acceptable and accessible to them, so in, in a culturally, linguistically, and, and religiously appropriate way, um, it is very important to us. I know, uh, Amira Rashad, that uh, Bulkwiz is also aimed at making women's lives easier, maybe, maybe not for sort of addressing their, their medical concerns, but it, is, it was designed for women. Sure. So one of the major kind of um, things that hold women back, um, and I think we were, you, you guys were discussing it a little earlier, um, is home responsibility. So the fact that you're not, you don't feel like somebody's got your back. So you're spending a lot of that time in, quote unquote, unvalued home work. Um, and that leaves very little time for you to go out there and generate real sort of measured economic values. So uh, being, having been a working mom myself all my life, I looked around me and I basically realized that I was going about my you know, grocery uh, shopping in exactly the same way that my mom had and her mom had. You literally got in the car, you went shopping, and it was like 2016, 2017. I'm like, something's going to be done here. There's, you're looking at a, gener a, um, a region that is predominantly under 30. They're digital natives. They definitely are using the internet for everything else, actually over-indexing on using the internet for everything else, and yet they're not outsourcing that major, major pain of a chore, which is grocery shopping. So do you know, when I moved to this country, it was five years ago, it was the one thing that annoyed me the most, that I actually had to go to the supermarket, rather than order everything online and then just do a repeat order every week. And because I was new to the country, I didn't know where everything was in the supermarket, so it was taking me hours to walk around the supermarket. And, and a job that normally took me literally five minutes was taking me an hour and a half, just okay. so I could find the turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and now with the, with the advent of AI, um, the, the whole personalization process of something as sort of intimate of a purchase as grocery, because it really reflects the habits of your home and so on, um, is now very possible. I mean, I have two teenage kids. There's no reason under the sun why I should even have Pampers in my shopping experience, online or offline, right? So that kind of a personalization is now a reality with AI, and that's exactly what we set out to do, personalize that experience for you. And who is, is BulkWiz competing with? Um, so today, uh, the vast majority of players in the online grocery business are, are in the what you call the on-demand space. So they're basically folks who um, will get you something within 60 minutes from an existing store. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't play in that space. What we do is we do everything soup to nuts. I'm sure you're familiar with Costco as a, as a, um, yep. a the, the bulk uh, retailer. Uh, so basically, we're a Costco online. And what we do is we try and get you bulk deals on the things that matter to you. So if you want to stock up on disinfectants, hey, Bulkwiz is, is the place. Good timing then, huh? Coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, I bet you've seen a little bit of an uptick Ab just recently. Absolutely. It's been crazy. It literally has been. Uh, we try not to, well, I've actually stopped all marketing, believe it or not, because I don't want to sort of generate unnecessary hype, so to speak. But um, the cart sizes have gone through the roof. Uh, it's just, it, the behavior is definitely 
one of stocking up. Uh, so, Neil, uh, we've got a few questions here that we wanted to ask, uh, that we wanted to ask our guests. Well, I guess what I'm interested in, ladies, is, is you know, you, you've spoken amazingly about the strides that have been made in business. But, of course, business starts. We are, hopefully, we've got some very young listeners uh, to this show, and, and they have been educated. And perhaps in the past, certainly when I went to school, there were certain subjects that were regarded as blokish subjects and, and, and other ones for ladies. Is that changing? Because the, the amount of jobs... I was talking to someone the other day who he was hosting a, a, an, an event in, in Dubai, and it's about gaming, and we as parents think, oh, gaming, that's terrible for our children. But it's, I think it's just overtaken the, you know, the last game that launched had a, a much, much bigger revenue numbers than, than one of the big blockbuster movies. So it's a huge industry, and if we want our children to have good jobs, that, that's an area. Same thing for ladies, you know, getting, getting them to learn subjects that were previously regarded as, as, as not being friendly towards them. What do you think about that? So I think uh, certainly in the region there are more women graduating from university than there are men. Um, so there's no um, kind of shortage in skill set, so to speak. I think the issue starts very young as women are, or girls are directed towards certain fields because they're quote-unquote more feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that ev- it is incumbent upon every family really to show their their daughters that, you know, you could do this or you could do that, not force them either way, and allow them and basically to uh, explore uh, what they would be most interested in, in studying. But I think even with the um, over-indexing of female university graduates in, in the region, they're still not getting the jobs. There's still this uh, old uh, young boys network, whatever it is, where the skill sets that they're being taught in university or throughout the education system do not uh, make them qualified for getting those jobs. Let's take startup jobs as, a, mm-hmm. as an example. So if you wanted to start your own business, you need to be able to do things like pitch an idea, like go network to meet people and get money and so on. These things women are actually discouraged from doing in this part of the world. So don't go talk to a stranger. Don't go, you know, um, socialize with someone you don't need to be socializing with, and so on and so forth, while that is exactly where most of the decisions are made. I had to sit across the table from a lot of people that I didn't know all hours of the day to actually get those funds, you know. So, so it's those skill sets that we need to, A, embed more into okay. the educational system, and B, encourage women to adopt them. Uh, so, Sophie, how do you feel about that topic? Um, I think it's a, it's a very big topic. I think there are two things at either end of the spectrum that for me are really important. Firstly, um, with children, exposing them to, all, to different types of learning experience and different types of toys. There was a study done that looked at um, gender-typical toys. And the, the toys that are normally given to boys involve significantly more problem-solving and sort of brain-training than the toys that are given to girls. If you think about trucks, you know, they move, they've got wheels, they've got parts, they've got doors that open, um, Lego, uh, Meccano, all of these things actually um, that are designed to stimulate the brain are things that parents still today would typically give to boys instead of girls. I've got two small children and almost three-year-old and and an almost one-year-old and they have been exposed to exactly the same toys the whole way through and so you see, um, you know, my daughter opens and closes things and pushes things and builds things in the same way that my son does, but I know that a lot of young girls in a similar position would have, would have dolls, they'd have cuddly toys, they'd have things that they can kind of 
empathize with and connect with, but they wouldn't have things that they can unpick and build. So I think that's very important. And Sophie, um, do you think that, you know, right, right on, on day one, that uh, it, is it a fallacy that the, that the boy reaches for a dinosaur or a car and, 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 and the girl reaches uh, absolutely. for something Absolutely. So my, my daughter, who's turning one, her favorite toys are a robot and a orangutan. Um, and the robot really is her favorite. She won't go anywhere without it. She loves that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's all about exposure to different types, types of um, learning environment and, and different stimuli from a young age. And then the second thing, I think, is about um, supporting flexible working, part-time working, basically taking, taking a person as an individual, listening to what they want, what they perceive to be their work-life balance and working around them. I mean, we as a company have found that um, the, the recent uh, uh, coronavirus has, has had zero effect on our day-to-day operations because um, we have totally flexible patterns of working anyway. Um, we have nine months parental leave, so three months fully paid, men and women, six months half pay, men and women. Um, we have... And that's uh, amazing. I mean, that is very attractive to get the, the best minds to join a company like yeah, that. And, and I think we, and I think we, we take those minds on, on their own terms. I hope we do. Um, you know, with the universities um, closing down, the first thing that we did was firing off an email to um, the head of alumni at AUS and say, hey, you know, if, if your students would like to do a one-month internship, we'll stipend them. They can come and work out of our office. Um, we have got availability in all of these different departments. Um, and uh, we find with opportunities like this, actually, a lot of the time it is women who are more proactive and, you know, who flood our inboxes immediately. Ladies, can I put this to you, though? See, see uh, I employ about 110 people at VirtuZone. If we grow, if we do a really good job, we could be up to 160 people. And, and Georgia, we were talking that we're about 62% uh, female. So if I make every decision based on what's going to make the company more successful, it's going to grow to 160 people. 62% at the moment are going to be ladies. That might be the best way to empower and get more women in jobs, rather than saying this position must be for a lady. So which is, which is right? Yeah, I think um, just going, going back to what Sophie said, um, I think creating an environment that is conducive of um, productivity for both genders is, is the way to go. And then it's the, per- the best person for, for the job who will ultimately get it. Uh, the problem is that environment isn't there. And I'm not saying virtues, and I'm just saying in general, it, it just isn't there, both on the professional level as well as on the personal level. So I think that's where most of the heavy lifting needs to happen. But also from a very, very early age, it has to be embedded in the educational system. We have to be saying and doing and showing girls completely different um, standards, models, ways of thinking, because it's just not going to happen on its own. When you guys were setting up your businesses, did you face any gender discrimination? So like when you went to the bank and asked for a sort of a company bank account or when you went to rent offices, you know, was the, was the guy showing you around the office looking around for the man to, you know, to get him to sign the, the, the contract? Um, so I've, I've faced a couple of kind of subtle uh, things. So, uh, you know, um, I had an investor once tell me, um, your husband is a banker. You don't really need to start a business. Why is this like your pet sort of project? And and I was, you know, obviously very. If I was a man, nobody would have said that, right? So you're not taking me seriously just because I'm a woman. Uh, recently, I was at at a retreat uh, for um, a bunch of startups. Uh, there were 30 startups there. Um, I was the only woman CEO. I mean, it just it just hits you. 
Um, you suddenly realize you're the only woman in the it, room. Exactly. And not that it was kind of designed that way, but it just happens to be that way. So you feel like more of a responsibility, so to speak. Um, I don't know that necessarily um, there are, um, I don't know. I, I like to think that people don't want to be biased, especially at a certain educational level or what have you. It just is. <laughs> but I think very often we don't want to be, but we're doing things that actually do encourage it without realizing. Exactly. So that's when we've got to make it more of a step than and, perhaps we should. And I think back to um, a point you made earlier about, you know, she, oh, and... Uh Oh, yes, and the CEO and the Shepreneur. Oh, I hate them. I hate I, them. I, I hate terrible. girl boss more than anything else. I want it's, to it's hit people worst. when I hear girl boss. Why do people, you know, we're, we're CEOs, we're entrepreneurs, we're business people. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there, uh, there was a company that posted a, uh, put a post on LinkedIn, and I know they were trying to be supportive, but they were, look, look at our amazing female leadership team. And I commented, you know, what would be even more amazing is if it was just our leadership team, unless you've got a, this is our male leadership team, comment coming up, in which case, fine, I take it back. Um, but, but do you think we've really come to that place where we're past the gender politics or whether we, in, in a way, you do need to, as a woman, you do see, need to keep on pushing that envelope and emphasizing that women are in these places? So I think you've got to, you've got to open, um, make opportunities available to women. It's one thing to have a network called CEO and for women to be a part of it. Another thing to give women the CEO label. I, I find it I find it really unhelpful. But Sophie, you were talking about, you know, a, a VC that closed, which was specifically for female-managed businesses, right? So that's something that we're doing extra for ladies. You like that, but don't like uh, uh, to have a, have a title such as the so female management I team. I would prefer there not to be a gender lens VC, but you see... The, the point actually about this, about this particular VC fund is that what they're trying to do is to encourage women on the ground, give them a place where they can go and apply for funding. It's not so much a perception thing. And in, in fact, Heather herself, I think, would say that they want to, to not emphasize that aspect of the business. But a lot of, um, I think one of the problems is that um, women are used to ha coming up against additional obstacles. And so sometimes they don't go looking for things or they, they don't see things that are uh, available to them. So it's more about saying, hey, you know, you think that you're struggling in your business because you are a woman. We're somewhere that you can come and we will help you. It, it's more about that. It's less about putting a label on it. Um, and Yeah, I, I think if, if um, I, I, whenever I see it, and, and I mean, I went to a Women in Technology forum the other day. I, I sat on a panel there and um, talked about invisible women, um, which is a very interesting topic um, to um, invisible women. So this is uh, women who, and it happens, it's happened throughout history, haven't been recognized for um, their achievements. One is a, a woman called Maria Anna Mozart. She was Mozart's older sister. Actually, she was a very, very talented pianist um, and was composing more complex compositions from a younger age than Mozart. Um, and th this is, uh, it's, it, there are accounts of it in letters that were written by members of her family. But actually, when she got to 14, she was married off. She never performed in public. None of her compositions survived. Probably, if, if, wow. if in today's society, she'd have, been a, she'd have been the Mozart that we knew. Um, another such woman is Maleva Maric, the first wife of Einstein, um, who was a, an extraordinarily talented physicist. She studied with him. She actually did better in all of her um, practical exams than he did, um, and uh, she and he together worked on his biggest theorems. Um, 
and he was looking for a job at the time and she wrote in letters um, that she was really excited about the work that they had done together because um, it would hopefully help him to get a job. But of course nobody has heard of Maleva Malich, everyone has heard of Einstein. Amazing stories that I definitely want to look into much more. And wonderful guests. Thank you so much, both of you, uh, for joining us for the Starting Up Clinic. Uh, this is, we had Sophie Smith, whose voice you just heard, co-founder and CEO of Nabta Health. Uh, definitely worth checking that out, particularly if you're a woman. And Amira Rashad, who's the CEO and co-founder of Bulk Wiz. In their shoes, your views on the biz news. Hello there, and a very warm welcome back to Starting Up. I'm Georgia Tolley. I am here in the studio. We're on an outside broadcast in the Hello Business Hub. Awesome area. We've got Neil Pitch uh, from the Virtue Zone alongside me. Looking forward to hearing about hopscotch, something I could never do. <laughs> Um, yes, earlier today I actually spoke to Helen Maguire. Now she's the co-founder and managing director of the company which is called Hopscotch. Now that's an online network that helps professional women build their profile and find jobs. They've also uh, recently launched an online skills program called Digital Warriors. Now you guys have got something similar going on with VirtuZone, haven't you? Where exactly. You... We, we keep on you know, telling people it's, a, it's about the ecosystem and I suppose the best example, look we're sitting in this wonderful office that Etisalat have provided. The whole point of the Hello Business Hub is you walk through the front door with nothing and you walk out the back and you've got everything that you need to run your business. That applies to men and, and women. That's the most important thing. So bank account, phones, IT equipment, insurance, etc., etc. And from this point of view, I think the survey that we're going to be looking at is, is talking about how women want more training. And it's very, very important for us to give them access to mentors, give them access to industry experts. And, you know, startups traditionally, as, as the ladies were saying that we were just interviewed, sometimes they don't know the questions to ask. They don't know to push for something. So it's in our interest as VirtuZone if, if someone succeeds in their business because they renew their life next year. So we want to make them succeed and we want to give them access to the very, very best to global standards where previously startups wouldn't get that. So that's all about the ecosystem. So I'd encourage people come into the Hello Business Hub to see what Etisalat and VirtuZone have put together and try and use that because you know, when you're starting a business, use your network, use your black book. And then when you're running your business, see how you can run that race with as few hurdles as possible. just want to mention the online poll on gender equality in business that we've got running at the moment. Uh, very pleased to say that Neil uh, at VirtuZone says that uh, they have a very equal business environment. 62% are women uh, in your company, is that right? Yeah, I'd be interested to see if the guys uh, want to complain that they're not getting a fair um, playing field. They don't Let's get see. that yet. They don't get that yet. <laughs> not after years of patriarchy. They don't get that. So so on our Twitter and Instagram poll, if you want to check it out, at Dubai1038FM, we're asking, do you think we have gender parity, gender equality in business? Uh, one answer is far from it. The other one is nearly there. And we've got a 60-40 divide there. 60% think uh, we are far from it. Of course, we don't know whether it's men or women responding to that. So that's, that would be an area of sophistication that's too much for our, our normal mm. polls. But in the meantime, let's go back to this interview, uh, which I did with Helen Maguire, the co-founder and MD of the company. Company Hopscotch. Uh, in the warm-up to International Women's Day, they surveyed their members to find out what expertise they felt they lacked. And earlier on today, she told me what they discovered. So our latest research discovered that nine out of ten women felt that they needed to upskill, and that within those skills, it was actually digital skills that were the most popular. Forty-five percent felt that improving their social media know-how would help them um, to find work. 
tech and finance were also very popular. And specifically, around 89% wanted to improve their digital skills as soon as possible. So with this research in your back pocket, what did you do? We set up an online school. We call it Digital Warriors. And it's essentially a place where women can find analytic skills in short modules that they can take over a series of weeks or months, pretty much at their leisure. And it's a very kind of low-cost point that can be done anywhere, anytime. And actually, the first uh, module is also free once you register with the school. And what do you hope to achieve with these courses? So at Hopscotch, we're really trying to help women gain as many opportunities as they can in the workforce. And obviously, improving skills is one way of really putting yourself in pole position to, to be able to do that in the future. We know that 133 million jobs or thereabouts will be created in digital over the next few years. So this is a course that was developed by Sparkline. It's been used to train in-house at Google previously. So it really is a genuine way to get yourself ahead of the curve. Do you think there is a real demand among women to increase their skills and to enter the workplace? Yes, absolutely. We find that at Hopscotch quite a lot. Um, So we get lots of questions specifically about training and courses. And we're actually hosting an on-ground workshop with Nestle and LinkedIn on the 16th of April in Dubai to help women just to upskill specifically around interview skills and closing that interview as well um, in order to get them in a good position um, once these jobs do come up and they're able to apply. Do you think it is a shortage of skills that is holding women back or do you think that there's something else at play? I think it's a dual problem in some cases. So we know that 7 out of 10 women lack confidence. And actually, it's not a case necessarily that they don't have, certainly that they don't have any skills, but that they don't have the right skills. But sometimes they just don't have the confidence. If they see a job description and they can't fulfill it 100%, they tend not to apply. It comes down sometimes to the way a job description is written. Um, So sometimes that can be quite off-putting to women. And we believe that actually women do hold the right skills and specifically hold um, a number of transferable skills so that once they're on the job or or in a specific job, they can easily get up to speed. But it's just getting them in that place as quickly and as effectively as possible. Personally, have you faced any problems in the workplace because of your gender? It's quite hard to say. I've always worked previous to setting up Hopscotch in uh, male-dominated areas. And the way that I combated that if there was any pushback, was to kind of go it alone and essentially set up my own um, departments and to create a workforce around me. So that was my approach if I did receive any kind of negative feedback. It's not something that I feel has held me back specifically, but I think when you've been out of the workforce for a year or more, that gap on the CV can sometimes be seen negatively in a completely mistaken way by potential employers. And this is why we're really trying to help upskill women, give them some more confidence and some more skills in their back pocket. It's really interesting you talk there about about confidence and having a few years sort of missing on your CV because I took maternity leave. And even though my job was held open for me and I was with a very forward, very modern thinking employer at the time, after nine months off, 
I really did feel nervous going back into work, and that was despite having everything in my favour. So I can imagine how difficult it must be for women who don't have all those boxes ticked to to find the confidence to go back into the workplace after having children, or because they had a gap in their CV because they needed to look after somebody at home. Yeah, and I think also it comes down to workplace culture as well. So it's about creating a space where. You know, yes, you might create that role for a person, but also creating the support systems around it. And that is specifically around benefits, around values, around um, workplace culture and the way that people treat each other within that workplace. I think if you find yourself in that situation, and it's very good to ask those questions, by the way, at interview, because quite often it isn't transparent from a job description or even a company's um, website then that's a great place to start if you have had a break from the, from the workforce and you find yourself in a position of, of having an interview. Those sorts of things really can make a, a huge difference. And I was exactly the same when I um, went on maternity leave with my first baby. I was away for eight or nine months and came back and, you know, couldn't remember how to right-click on my Apple mouse. Um, <laughs> you know, really done. stupid things like that that can kind of throw you for, you know, five Passwords. minutes and then suddenly you get back into it and it's fine. Yeah. But, um, you know, you just, you just forget really silly things like that sometimes. And, and I think it can really knock your confidence. But you just have to get back into the flow, um, you know, find that opportunity, grab it with both hands and just believe that whatever is thrown your way um, with a supportive atmosphere, you'll be able to get through it. That was Helen Maguire, the co-founder and managing director of the company Hopscotch, an online network that helps professional women find jobs. Uh, we are here. We are live. It is starting up. Georgia Tolly here. Uh, we've got Neil Petch, the chairman and co-founder of VirtuZone, alongside me. And we are in the Hello Business Hub. Neil, tell me a little bit about what happens here in the Hello Business Hub. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool and snazzy. There's a lot of lime. Well, the first thing is I'd, I'd say that when, when JLT first came about, I used to get lost. This is the best building in JLT. It is. It's just, so easy to get. We here. just came from the studio and we were running a bit late. And I was and I was saying to see, look, I always get lost in JLT. We mustn't get lost. We mustn't get lost. She's like, don't worry, it's just the first building on the left. You'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not getting free coffee, but the coffee's amazing downstairs. So that's another good reason to come. I already told you the free valet service, absolutely fantastic. Loads of parking, and we, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to have an office uh, uh, here. But when you walk into the Hello Business Hub, unfortunately for me, it's not just about Virtuzone; it's about all of their partners. So. Why do you set up a company? Let's face it, um, you know, it's, it's so that you can operate your business. It's so that you can send invoices and get money into your bank. So Rack Bank, there's Office Space, CBRE, one of the, the world's uh, experts in office space. Tax consultancy is very important. Skylines, AXA, one of the biggest names is insurance. AMA for the Emirates ID and national bonds. The ambassador for employee benefits, Sharaf DG. I think one of the things that VirtuZone enables people to do, because when you start your company, you don't want to spend a whole load of money on IT equipment if you can pay it over the course of the year. So that partnership with Sheriff DG is incredible. And trademark registration and patents, because that's quite difficult to do in this part of the world, but it's so important to protect, to put a moat around the business that you've invested in. So all these partners, you come through the door, and they're all there ready to serve you and provide this. And, and what Atislet have done is brought us all together and forced us, held our hand very nicely and said, come on guys, let's give a special deal to people. So if you're coming in, particularly if this is your part of uh, Dubai, if you're living over here, it's very easy to, to pop in and see the benefits that you can get. The stars and superheroes of the region's startup ecosystem. 
Together with Chetna, we are going to be reflecting on the role and achievements of the UAE Gender Balance Council, which was created in 2015 to achieve female empowerment. Its objectives include positioning the UAE as a world model for gender balance. The Women on Boards initiative was launched by DWE in 2012, making the UAE the first country in the Middle East and the second in the world to launch an initiative as such. Its aim is to increase women's representation on boards of directors to 20% by 2020. Really lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. Despite the fact that I practiced your name during the break, I think I still said it wrong. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you did really well. Yeah. But you, you pronounced Shoba wrong, though. Ah. <laughs> get, get so I did your name right and Shoba wrong. Right. One out of two is not bad. That's very good of you. Very, uh, very compassionate. <laughs> uh, so yes, thank you so much for joining us. Really lovely to have you here. Now, you are. It is always wonderful to speak to women who have broken through that glass ceiling and managed to get into the sort of upper echelons. Of a company, from your perspective, do you think that enough women are managing to make the same journey? Not really, not at all. Gosh, that, at that, all. you're that absolute about yeah, it. Absolutely, not at all, not at all. And nothing's changed in the last 20 years since I joined the industry. So I guess uh, you know, it, it shows that uh, not much progress is being. What's made. the percentage breakdown of your company, Jocelyn? I have about uh, maybe 30 percent of my workforce is women. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's within my organisation, so I can say the same for every other organisation. Now, is that because, you know, obviously the ideal would be to have 50-50. Is that because not enough women are crossing uh, your path that you can hire, or you know that they're not of a good enough quality, or that it's just really, really hard to get them in? We are a commercial establishment. Uh, it, you know, you cannot practice discrimination, so it's a, a meritocracy. I'll take anybody who's right for the job. So if there's not enough people on the same level, what, you don't have a choice. But why? Why then? Because uh, personally, as I, I, I guess, um, if you were to break down the amount of revenue spent on properties, the majority of the revenue is spent by men. Is, is that right? Yes, it is. Okay, so except we get to choose where we want to live. So right? who? So so those. So what you're looking about when when you're employing, you're looking at, at who those men are most likely to buy from, and they're going to buy. It from makes no difference. Total marriage. It makes no difference. But the point is that it makes no difference. The point is that uh, you're talking about one function, which is only the sales. Mm-hmm. But I'm a developer, so there's a lot of functions. There's the engineering, there's the design, there's uh, the finance, and I'm talking about representation across the functions, mm-hmm. and it's it's not equal. So earlier on in the program, we were talking about the benefits of positive discrimination and whether or not that was something that was necessary. Where you know the positive discrimination being where, uh, in out of a selection of, of of candidates for the job, you choose women. I wouldn't uh, do that. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Can I ask why? That's I interesting. Know, it has to be the right person. It, if, it, if there's equality, it, it really needs to be equality. It has to be equal. You can't you can't ha- have a bias and then claim to be equal. Even in favour of women, I, 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 know, I know that you in can't. In favour of anybody. I so you've got 70% men. Are you saying that that men are better at the job? I'm just saying that when I interview candidates, I find more men who are suitable and, and not as many women. I'm not saying that men are mm-hmm. better or worse, but the numbers in terms of the percentages is definitely higher because there's more men out there looking for a the job. There's more men out there willing to go that extra mile for their careers, and I feel that uh, you know I don't find the same. Uh, 
a number of women. So I think, Georgia, that stands to what we were talking about, which is the education, and, and, and you know, perhaps in five years' time, that's not going to be it's the case. It's more than just education. It's more fundamental. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, in, it's in people's mindsets, how people raise their children. You know, we talk about, but is, we talk, talk about the representation of women in the workforce. And is that a fair, is, that, is it fair to judge, uh, you know, gender parity by just the representation in, in the workforce? You, you say that there's about 50% of the women are in workforce, 80% of men are in workforce, but 100% of women bear children. That's, I, I like that statistic. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> it's a very fair uh, point. So what is equality at the end of the day? Are we making a mess of this? Are we understanding it right? Uh, are the statistics uh, that we bring to fore, are these, are these the right representation of gen gender parity? What is gender parity? Shouldn't it be just respecting every human being for who, she, who he is and the choices he or she makes? I'm really interested, at, on a personal level, what it's like for you uh, when you're in a boardroom or you're in a sort of space where you, you find yourself the only woman or you find yourself one of only two women in a room of 20 men. Do you have that sort of exchange of glance across the table? Of, of finally... Usually I'm so involved in the conversation I don't look to see if it's a man or a woman sitting across, but sometimes you know, people tend to speak for very long and it bores the hell out of me. Then I'm looking around and thinking, what is happening? <laughs> What is happening? Why aren't there more women out here putting their voice? And it's more likely that it's going to be the man boring you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the percentages of men in business is so much more. No, no other reason. <laughs> <laughs> well noted. So do you think that women are helping each other enough? I, I know that I'd spoken to a lot of uh, CEOs recently, and I, I hadn't realized that this was a sort of concept. But there's this idea that you hear uh, a female CEO break through the glass ceiling only to haul the ladder up behind her and not let anyone, you know, not then help women up behind her. That's not true. That's not you don't true. think it happens? No, that's not true. That's, that's just assuming the women are extremely insecure. That's not true at all. So you see, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it, that's, a, that's human behavior. It's not that, you know, men go out of their way to help their male counterparts. It's just human behavior. People are insecure and people don't make way for others. But then there are uh, people who um, have, you know, are very uh, confident in their skin and they uh, groom and they mentor people. And this is both men and women. So you don't think there's a, there's a hauling up of ladders? Well, there's also a, a sort of, you know, a, a aggression and ambition and drive have in the past been viewed as, 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 as male attributes. Right? True, so, and when, but a, of course, when a woman displays those same functions, yes. it's, it's uh, construed in a negative manner. So, so. But when she, when she does, it's perhaps um, a, a percentage basis that if she has that drive and ambition and she does get herself up there, that she wants to get even further rather than to be putting the ladder down and saying, come on guys, come, come with me. That's, that's just drive. Maybe, I mean, equally, maybe I suppose you, you have to work so much harder as a woman to get to that level that you don't have the time and the mental headspace to mentor as well. That's not true. That's not true. It's definitely, it's a little bit harder. It's not, it wasn't all that hard. It's a little bit harder because you're constantly judged. And, uh, and in many, many cases, if you look at my, uh, my um, example, I don't have a wife, which is, you know, I don't have a wife. I have nobody taking care of my home, my child. So when I finish my work, I go home, I manage my home. I make sure my son has a half-decent upbringing. Uh, when you have a, a number of things that you need to take care of, and you have to put in your best to make sure that you're better than the next guy at work, it, it is definitely harder for a woman because there's so much more that you have to pay attention to. So... Uh, 
Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Well, I, you mentioned that you uh, you don't have a wife at home sorting no, everything a, out so for you. So it is harder. It is harder for a woman to make it in the... Um, and, you know, the perception, for example, your HR head or your boss is going to think, oh, is this woman going to be able to put in her best at work because she, you know, what is her priority? So it is a little bit harder, but then that shouldn't stop you from being a mentor. When you, when you get to a position of responsibility, you're only as good as your team is. So, you know, you definitely put uh, work into uh, grooming people around you. But then you don't make a distinction of, I'm only going to groom the women, I'm not going to groom the men. You're just going to, it's your team at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what sex they are. So with COVID, the, what you've raised there about not having a wife at home is come into stark sort of relief with uh, the children coming home from school with schools being cancelled here because we've got two weeks off now and then there's two more weeks when we're supposed to be homeschooling our children and I got furious about this because I was like well of course it's going to fall to the women and that we're going to have to do it you've got children at home how will you juggle the situation with with the children um, not at, you know not at school and, and and then having to do a full-time job I have a self-raising son so he raises himself <laughs> so we're okay <laughs> You'll be all right. I'll be all right. You won't find yourself having yeah, no. to... He'll just go and study himself. He'll just go and study himself. You see, I long for that I time. I don't kill when, myself. When no, older. but that's the kind of parent I am. I'm, I'm mostly hands-off. I, I believe that, you know, my son is a responsible individual and he'll, he'll do well. Obviously, you've worked internationally and, and in, in so many different jurisdictions. Here in the UAE, uh, they, they've got a sort of set policy. They're super keen to improve the balance of women in business and politics. But having worked across the world, you, you must have seen different policies in different countries. Uh, some, some countries are far more uh, advanced than others, and I think the UAE is doing a fantastic job. I think they've taken it upon themselves to provide, um, to create this um, gender parities, uh, and I think they're in, they're in a big hurry, which is amazing, but that's, that's just the style of the UAE, right? Everything that Sheikh Mohammed does has to be better than the best, and I think... Uh, uh, this, this is important. While, we, uh, while I talk about uh, the workforce, and I, I don't believe in, uh, you know, in uh, special treatment for women there, in government, because 50% of your population is uh, female, there needs to be 50% representation of women in, in government, because the policy has to be driven equally. So this, I think, is a, uh, I think there's a 50% um, uh, reservation for women in the Federal National Council, there which is. I think is, is, is one of the best things that has happened to the UAE. Because I think when women are in government, they'll be able to make policy that's in the interest of the female population. I'd be interested to know, uh, Jotna, one of the quandaries that you have is you're here to talk to us and it happens to be International Women's Day coming up. But you'd love to be talking about sober real estate, right? Absolutely. Instead, we're talking about uh, um, empowering women and, and so Which on and so on. Which to me is a little bit, you know, it, it's something that it, it, yeah. it's a humiliating almost so that's to say empowering women because we are very powerful to begin with, you know. We don't need to be empowered. We just need people to respect us, let us breathe and let us be. If you don't try to suppress the women, that's plenty. You don't need to empower us because we were born powerful. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And I would, I would also say that sometimes society tries, tries to be showing that it's making it uh, easy. And if this was a sports thing, you want to be training and to be really given a tough time to train to get to your maximum level. So there's an argument that uh, we, we should be doing more of that. And people like Jordan Peterson, the Canadian professor, gets you know, shot down and given a lot of uh, uh, 
uh, hate uh, uh, online for speaking up and, and, and uh, for pushing back against that rather than being cool and, and wokey, let's say. So there's two sides to it. What would you like to see going forward to encourage more women to being promoted within companies? Do you think it's a confidence or a skills question? I think it's, um, it's a very basic thing. I, I think it comes from your upbringing. I think that it comes from basic respect for another individual, regardless of their sex. And I think if uh, people raise their children equally, if they didn't uh, treat their boys different from their girls, I think that's plenty. Everything else just follows. You can't create, you can't undo the injustice done at such a you know, grassroots level. Uh, you, it, the responsibility cannot be uh, with the corporates. Because at the end of the day, if, uh, you know, if a woman has been subjected to this um, kind of suppression very early, a man also has been raised to believe the things that he believes in, and it's very hard uh, to make it his fault because at some point <laughs> that's his upbringing, that's how he thinks. There's enough pressure on a man. If you, if you, I mean, if you just flip the coin and see the other side, why are 80% of men in the workforce? Maybe they don't want to be there. But it's, it's so much of a pressure. He needs to be the breadwinner. He needs, to be, he needs to make sure that he's taking care of his family. So it's, it's, not, it's never that as simple as we make it out to be. So there's, it's a, it's, the problem is a, it's a problem of the society, not of just one sex. Real food for thought there going forward. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, you, Thank you, you so much. well deserved the stars and superhero uh, status that we gave you today. That's Jahitsna Head. Hegde. And I'm from Shoba Realty. Thank you. <laughs> and I need to learn how to pronounce names. Just as a starting point, it's, it's a classic social anxiety I had. It's an impossibility to say names. But thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have thank you. Thank you so much go. for having me. Real food for thought. Five, four, three, two, one. Your top five guide to getting ahead in business on Starting Up. Hello there. Welcome back to Starting Up. We are here on Dubai Eye 103.8 in partnership with Virtue Zone. Well into our second hour of the program. If you've missed out, you need to tune in normally from one o'clock. We're one till three. I'm joined here by Neil Petch, who is the chairman and co-founder of Virtue Zone. Hello, Neil. Resplendent on the Tisselat's wonderful green sofa. It's very, it's a lime green sofa. And there's quite a lot of lime green in the Atislap Business Hub, but I like it. It certainly is. It's an achieving colour. It's go, do it, just like Atislap and our partnership with them. But anyway, we're very, very happy to welcome on the show Armin Jamula. Welcome, Armin the CEO and co-founder of itsherway.com. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you in. Now, we've been talking about you throughout the program because we've been introducing you. And every time, we, I, well, I slightly stumbled over it, needless to say, because I have trouble with names. Stylishly. You Styli stumbled stylishly. You were very kind, Neil. Thank you. I say, so we say CEO, and then we've been saying things like shepreneur. Mm -hmm. And then the one I really, I don't mind those two, but I really don't like girl boss. Mm -hmm. And as a, a shepreneur, and, and, and your slogan says that you're, you're a, a proud sort of lover of the pink. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about these types of slogans, the sort of girly slogans, the titles? I think they just empower us more. I really like the fact that, you know, us women, after 5,000 years of patriarchy, are coming, you know, coming out and being very, very proud of the fact that we are in the places where we weren't before. So I really like the sound of all the things that you just said. 
I think it's do what's right for you. So, yeah. you know, it motivates you. It motivates you recruit people that buy into what you're doing. So that's fantastic. Someone else that doesn't like the title, don't use it. Yeah, don't use it or don't listen to it. I don't exactly. Know. And don't follow either. You know, if you don't, if you don't like something, don't follow it. There are many more who will follow and who will love it as well. Because for me personally, I've seen that I... You know, the more we emphasize on the fact that we are sheepreneurs and uh, we are women who are, you know, still a few of us in, you know, in the business world, we want to acknowledge that and we want to respect each other for that. Talking about respect, I mean, let's, let's find out a little bit about your company. Tell okay. us about it. So, It's Her Way is, um, we've been around for two and a half years now. Uh, it's a platform for women entrepreneurs. We have a framework. We call it the three C's. We support women entrepreneurs from you know, the day they have the business idea up until they've been running it for five years on. So we support them on uh, the, the three C's framework, which is called commerce, community, and collaboration. In commerce, we give them e-commerce platforms for products and services to sell online and to showcase their products. We not only sell online for them, we take them in events, pop-ups, and markets to actually market their, you know, their products and services as well. Through collaborations, we give them the right kind of you know, support in marketing, communication, photography, and so on. Community is where we train them, we mentor them, and we give them the right kind of understanding of how to run a business, the importance of it, simplify it for them. So that's a lot of work, Armin. In, in the two and a half years that you've been set up, how many women have you supported in, in this way? We have about 300 women on board in our community, growing every single day. And do they help each other? Is it a sort of win-win situation? Oh, it's a natural ecosystem. It's, it's a beautiful natural ecosystem that we've created, and we see a lot of support. We, whenever we, we meet, we meet almost every month. We do trainings and workshops with each other, and uh, everyone has something on the other to support. And give, give us you know, a, a case study of, of great success that uh, someone's enjoyed through you. Sure. Um, there was this little instance that just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, she, um, this is Alana. She uh, runs a brand called Lani Shea Butter, and she only makes Shea Butter. She is also a cabin crew, mm -hmm. and she's traveling all the time. She's been with us for over a year now, and she wanted to venture into you know, fragrances, because her shea butter was just very, very organic, very, very real, thick, not very emollient, but just had that original shea butter fragrance. Stacy, who's another entrepreneur with us, she um, is a cancer survivor as well. She actually gives workshops and makes people understand the value of essential oils and uh, the importance of fragrances and how those you know, change your moods and change your you know, inner being. She and Alana are going to collaborate and bring about a new line of fragrances That's in fantastic. her shea butter. Just a small example. That's an amazing way of hearing how the members organically help yeah. each other. Well, where do you make money, or do you not? Is it just, is it just entrepreneurial? Is it just uh, philanthropic? <clears throat> No, we do. We have to. To survive, to scale, and to help more and more women. We aim to recruit over 100,000 women in 10 years, inshallah. Um, so, yeah, we have to have a monetary revenue stream. We take a small membership from them, and that's as low as 160 dirhams a, a month 
over 12 months, and that's like two coffees outside, right? Um, and we give them all the support. It's a beautiful value proposition. It Tom, really you've helped 300 companies, so yeah. you must know what you're talking about. So <laughs> really interested to hear your top five tips for setting up your own business as a woman. Okay. So the first thing I have noticed is the lack of, the lack of belief in the idea. You know, most of the women that have started up with... Hello. Most of the women that have started up with, with us, um, they kind of lack the self-belief. So I would want to tell you first is, you know, all the women who want to run a business or even have the idea, believe in the idea and believe in yourself. There is nothing stronger than that. There isn't. The second thing is have a small plan in place, a short plan. No matter, it doesn't matter how it, uh, you know, how complex your business idea is or how complex uh, anything is. Um, it just matters about how you want to put step one to step three, just three steps, and then move on to the next. So number four is create the right kind of collaborations. And um, when I say collaborations, I mean uh, kind of build, you know, your brand ambassadors in, a, in an un... Uh, in an unreal way, but just try to have brand ambassadors around you. Your kids, your, your spouse, your friends, your family, they can become you know, your brand ambassadors and help you get the collaborations. Friend of a friend of a friend. You know, Absolutely. I mean, how. I would say you tell a lot about a person by their friends. You tell a lot about a business by its partners. Yeah. Here we are sitting in a Tessalat Hello Business Hub. Good example. It's a really good journalistic trick, actually, which I learned on my first day in journalism school. Um, a guy who went on to work for the tabloid media in the UK, uh, we were told to get to know each other, and we had 45 seconds to get to know each other. And I was like, oh, which school did you go to? Like, I literally had no idea what to do. He was like, what do your friends do? Oh. First question, what do your friends do? Because it gives yeah. you such a sense of what the person is like. So, yes, use your network. That's so interesting. Absolutely, use your network. And our no, tagline, oh. actually, is uh, our, ne our network is our net worth. Uh -huh. <laughs> I like how you did that. Okay, and we, 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 need, we need some sort of drum roll for number five. Yes, drum roll. Number five is actually uh, the second most important thing, but just in the order of things. I thought I'd list it last because it's, it's going to be more impactful. It's the drum roll moment. Yes. 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 So it is, you should not, as a business when you're starting up, um, do not fear change. Everything is going to change. The only constant in life is change. So it doesn't matter if your idea that you started off with doesn't come out and, uh, you know, you have to change things around. Don't be scared of that. Because if you're scared, you're going to give up. Or you wa you'd want to give up. Absolutely. I mean, the winner of the starting up business pitch a couple of weeks ago, he said, do you want to be disrupted or do you want to be the disruptee? And we were all like, yep, yeah, we want to be that one. We want to get on that train. And, of course, in this, this time and age with COVID-19 changing everything so dramatically on, on every level, you can only embrace trade. Yes, pivot, change. pivot, pivot, pivot as much as you can, as many times as you can until you get it right. 
Amazing five tips. Really appreciate those. We've got Thank another you. few minutes with you, so we're not going to let you go away because obviously, if you're as you're running this platform for women, you sort of you must be engaging with everybody every single day. Do you feel that women are getting enough uh, support from their families to run their businesses? Do you think there's enthusiasm within families? I think it's a mixed feeling there. It really is. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. That's why we're here. We kind of have to manage, and we we get the sense of them when when we recruit them, and when we have them on board. We have a couple of meetings before we start up. You know, we start dealing with them on a business level, and we kind of gauge that. I would say, on a percentage, about seventy percent of them still don't have the right kind of. We've interviewed a lot of husband、yes. and wife teams on on the show, and and it's, you know, if you go in expecting that the men will be doing. A, B, and C, and the women D, E, and F. No, it's it's very often completely the other way around, which I think is fantastic. And and the sort of the way they bounce off each other,、yeah. um, not、uh, sometimes just the arm around the shoulder, but actually in a combative way, but in a really、oh, yes. good way. So positive energy. I would say positive, but I would say there's negative energy as、mm-hmm. well. And、uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been around for five thousand years. Saying that again. There is a sense of patriarchy, especially in this region, and especially the region that I come from as well. Very, Where are you from? I'm from India. Oh, so、Bombay. you think it's there as well? Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there in you know the the modern cities, but still a long way to go. How about the UAE as, as a because because the UAE puts a lot of、um, uh, has a lot of publicity about how much、yes. work it puts into supporting women. It's、mm-hmm. got a council that's been existed since 2015.、Yeah. Um, obviously, there's they're, they're, they've got parity on in, in politics. Do you think that the UAE is a good place for women to set up their own business? I think it's an amazing place. It's one of the best in the world, and that's why we're here as well. We can be here, and we can exist here. In a much better environment, with having not so much negative PR or, you know, things that would actually negatively affect us. I think it's worth mentioning that is quite extraordinary that we're in the we're in the Arab world, and I think from the outside in the West and in the US,、yes. the perspective would be that women wouldn't find it easy to set up businesses here. And yet, that, and yet, it's the, the exact opposite. opposite. Yes. I'm really proud about Dubai. I mean, down at the Chamber of Commerce, they have a group specifically looking at startups. It's headed by a female, a Russian female. She's brilliant. Speaks about 53 languages, and her number two is is a very young and amazingly ambitious and creative Emirati uh, uh, guy. That's typical of Dubai. You know, not afraid to do that. Not afraid to choose the right people. And it sends out a brilliant message, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so you work、um, on the on as an e-commerce platform, but what about if I not, don't want to sell something? You know, I'm not making shea butter, I'm not making candles, or I'm not making widgets for air conditioning、mm-hmm. units, whatever it is. That do you, what if I'm just a a really good journalist and really good at writing stuff? So you're a skiller then, because、uh, if you're a writer, we have two e-commerce platforms. Today, everything needs to be online. You need to sell online to actually make money. And in the current environment, who's going to go to a mall, right? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Well,、yeah. they're, they're still they're still open. It's worth mentioning they're still open.、Yes. I, I very determinedly went on Friday. I went actually. Too, I, went I was like,、well. I am not scared. I am going to go to the pharmacy and buy paracetamol. 
in person. <laughs> not through bulk quiz. I, I, might, I might have bought two quite big boxes, but yeah. I'm not panic buying. I'm just, you know, contingency. Yeah. <laughs> so coming back to the fact that if you want to write, you're a freelancer, let's say. We have two e-commerce platforms. It's called It's Her Store, that's for products, and It's Her Skill, which is for services. And services that are, you know, you're a photographer, a makeup artist, a writer, um, a lawyer, a consultant, a trainer, a yoga teacher. You can list with us. So do you ever get guys saying, well, hang on a sec, it, this isn't fair? Because the, your, both of those two sites sound absolutely awesome, and this whole sisterhood and women supporting women. If I was a guy right now, you know, a 30-year-old guy, I'd be a bit like, well, hang on a second, where's, where's my network? Why can't I get involved in this? Why are they excluding me? What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> There's no nothing wrong with men. We just want to encourage women, and we think that's more important in this day and age. Men have been there, and we both have been there, but the encouragement has been a little lax for women, and we just want to make sure that's, that's equal. Neil, as a guy, how does it feel hearing about these sort of fantastic female networks? Do you feel excluded, or do you just feel quite chilled about it? No, I think, I think it's great that people are, are making a special effort. I don't feel threatened by it at all. I think it's very useful for my business that women want to do this. I think it's you know, very good positioning for us as a company to show that we're trying to, both from the interns that we bring into VirtuZone to give them experience. And you know, I'm really proud to say that we've had two interns, who, who one, one of whom did a, a thesis at university based on their experience at VirtuZone, actually. So we've been involved in that support. We've benefited from that support and, and from, from their wisdom and looking at things from a different angle. So, no, I think, I think it's absolutely fine. I think from a, um, a, a lady's side, it's, you know, if it motivates you and stretches you, great. But, um, you know, what, what I would encourage people to be doing is talking about their business and the fundamentals of their business rather than the people that are they're actually running it. The people, of course, are incredibly important. Their skills are important, but it doesn't matter where they come from. And, you know, in, in previous shows, we've spoken about trying to access the pool of, of talent globally rather than limiting ourselves. Um, it was a little bit disappointing the lady from Sober was saying that so many more men are, are um, uh, actually interviewing for those positions and are prepared to go yeah. that extra mile. I don't agree with her actually. I, I, I think that uh, women are prepared to go at least uh, uh, as, as, as far as men. I think not that much though. I mean there's still room. We really feel there's still room. Amazing. Thank you so much. Armin, sorry, Armin Jamula, who's the CEO and co-founder of itsherway.com. Definitely worth uh, checking out that website. So wonderful to have you. Thank you for giving us our five tips. Thank you. Really appreciate yeah, it. And we'll definitely welcome. talk to you again in the future. The Everyday Entrepreneur. Stories to inspire you. So you are listening to Starting Up here on Dubai Eye 103.8 in partnership with VirtuZone. If it sounds a little bit echoey, it's because we are out of the studio. We are in the Atisalat Business Hub, settled on a very happy... We like our green sofa, don't we? We do. Second floor of the one JLT. It's amazing. Really, really good place. Uh, ideal if you're looking to start up your own business. Come on down. They sort of do everything. It's a one-stop shop, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, and around here, there's the sport that one can do. You can get pretty much everything. And we are actually in the world's uh, number one free zone, as as voted by by a number of international publications. So Ooh. congratulations to DMCC for that. Virtue Zone looking and learning. And you can get a mighty good sandwich downstairs, according to our <laughs> producer, Zena, who is very... And oddly enough, it's coming up to three. I haven't had lunch yet. I'm going to have 
to go down myself. Uh, right, it's worth mentioning up that we are wrapping up our International Women's Day edition, which is what we've been theming today around the, uh, that March the 8th is International Women's Day, and that is, of course, tomorrow. Uh, we've been getting advice from amazing women, uh, including uh, one in particular amazing Yeah, that's mother. right. And, and, and uh, I shouldn't say how long ago I, I met her, but she chose to walk away from everything and start over again. Donna Benton, founder of The Entertainer, tells a story and give women out there some much-needed inspiration. She doesn't work on Saturdays. That's a strict rule. And she talked to us during the week. Let's hear what she had to say, huh? She is indeed one of the most successful businesswomen in the UAE, but like the rest of us, she started small and actually didn't have big plans. This was 2001. She had the idea for the entertainer and wanted to register it as a business right away. We asked her how easy or hard it was at the time. I was actually just coming here for a year, as everybody does, to save money, put a deposit on a house, move back home. And, you know, when I arrived here, I actually came here for a job initially that fortunately didn't work out. And that's when I thought of the entertainer as I was driving along Shakeside Road. And I loved the idea and I had the passion and I just went for it, really. And, yeah, and now it is where it is today. It was just like any other country. If anything, for a woman, it was a little bit easier because when I went to the bank or the municipality, or any of those legality places, there was women's queues. So you always got through first. So it was great. There was Media City that was opening. And to be honest, I was quite fortunate in the first year because Media City had it wasn't quite opened, but we could get our trade license. So I was fortunate enough to be able to work from home for the first year where I saved a year's rent, where I, they would let me do that. I love Donna. Her positivity is amazing, isn't it? Anyway, awesome. after that, she took some time off, thought about what she wanted to do next. It wasn't an easy thing to do. I've done two acquisitions. As um, I think a lot of people know, I did an acquisition in 2012 and then I did one in 2018. So I, look, I think it's all timing. With the first acquisition, I did own 100% of the company and they came in and bought 50%. So they enabled us to really do in three years what we would have done really in seven and eight. So that was the motivation for that. And obviously the GFH acquisition, I sold 85% of that. And look, it was just, I've been doing it for 19 years. I love it. But it was just really the right timing for myself and my family. And it just really enabled me to step back a little bit and to focus on doing something different because, you know, we all have dreams and entertainer was a huge dream for me and they do come true. But I also have other dreams that I also want to try and accomplish. I had very mixed feelings, do I think, with my head or, to, or my heart. So it's something, you know, when you create something from scratch, it's quite hard to let go. It's like a, it's like a commercial baby, as I put it. So when GFH came to me, yes, it was all great and you negotiate and it took, you know, eight months to do the deal. But I think when I felt it the most was when the deal was closing because you could always... I still had the company at that stage, but when you're actually signing, I think that's where the emotion then um, then hits you. And then I had to pretty much step away. I stepped away operationally, so that was a big challenge for me as well. So, yeah, it's, you know, even after signing, it's probably taken me a good year just to really let go and to um, just to really appreciate everything I had. But I'm also very much a person of the glass is half full, and I'm really excited about the future as well. So after that, uh, she did take some time off and thought about what she wanted to do next. It wasn't an easy thing to do, but, so, but now she is starting those new companies left and right. 
And with these new ventures, in many ways, she's starting up again, which she does find really exciting. So I've started, as you said, a company, a holding company called The Benton Group. And then all the investments that I either start up or I invest in will go under The Benton Group. So whether it be Chloe's My Hair Salon or Dawson Sports, the sports company or the Sunset Group with the restaurant group, they all go under The Benton Group um, bracket. But I am starting a swimwear company. I love coming from Australia. We love swimwear. So it's actually called Kaha Kapo, C-A-H-A-C-A-P-O. And that's going to be um, mass to luxury swimwear for women, men and children with accessories. So I'm really, really excited. It's a fun project to work on. But the irony of it is I uh, business you can do, but it's actually me learning about something new, which is really exciting, like all the fabrics and the costing and the manufacturers. And I've never really done that before. So it's getting my teeth into something that's new and challenging and exciting at the same time, putting all my old experience that I've learned over the years into play with that as well. I mean, Donna mentions there something really important, which is she was able to achieve things much faster because of the investment. I think investors, you know, those people listening out there that think it's just about make the money and then go. Investors want to hear what your next plans are, what you're going to do with the money. And if you say, I'm going to sink the money into doing the next few things a lot faster, that's an attractive thing to listen to. So Donna has some advice for all the women and men as well. That's got to be good for who is starting up. Let's hear it. Yes, it's challenging and it's hard work and you've got to get out there and you've got to network. But it's also like a family unit where it's not, there's no corporate politics involved. You don't need, you know, seven people to sign off things. You can be agile, make quick decisions. You do it as a team. There's no I. So it's really exciting to get input from all um, the other staff that are involved because it's like a little family community and we do it together and it's passionate and you bring the best people in you can to help you and to build that company and there's so many different ideas and brainstorming and for us at the moment it's about you know the fits and the cuts and the cost and the affordability and the distribution and the marketing and the photo shoots so it's um yeah it's really really exciting yeah listen you know congratulate someone if they've done something good Um, If they look nice, tell them they look nice. You know, it's giving someone a compliment. A compliment costs nothing. It might be, you know, they've done a really good job for the day or they've written a grunt or thank you because that costs nothing and it goes such a long way with the person that's doing it. So I really believe, I really believe in in the equality. That's Donna Benton, uh, the famed starter of the entertainment group, one of uh, the UAE's most loved shepreneurs, or just entrepreneurs, frankly. From the One JLT building. This is Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Live at the Etisalat Hello Business Hub. On Dubai I 103.8. You've been listening to a Dubai I 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.